0: Stop by the Buckeye Room Bar and Grill for happy hour. Stay longer on Tuesdays for music bingo or Fridays for karaoke. Follow us on Facebook for special events, live local bands, and more. The Buckeye Room Bar and Grill, located in the Buckeye Tower on Buckeye Road in Doraville. All right, uh, welcome. Uh, this is a, a telephone town hall for um, Georgia's District 11. Um, we've got uh, two great candidates um, Heather and Bo joining us this morning. Um, Just a note that um, the incumbent, uh, Barry Loudermilk, was invited. Um, We're not sure if he's going to join us. We'll happen to see. But um, just a few minutes for the uh, opening up for the uh, call this morning. Um, We'll open it up to Bo Cannon. Just a few minutes there, Bo, just to tell us about you and your campaign there.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, my name is Beau Cannon. I am running for the Congressional District of 11 to unseat Barry. I am a eight-year Air Force veteran who spent the first half of his enlistment doing military funerals, walking daily through Section 60, which is active duty, deployed military to Iraq and Afghanistan, funerals I've done, arrival and departure ceremonies for dignitaries, marched in President Obama's inauguration. Uh, After that, I worked on combat search and rescue helicopters in Valdosta, Georgia, providing maintenance for the helicopters that go out and rescue both civilian and military members. Uh... I currently work as a contractor for Georgia Tech Research Institute, working on AWACS systems for a project the Air Force uh, contracted it for us. Uh, the reason I am running is because I've been disenfranchised by partisan, politi- partisan poly party politics, stopping government And bringing things to a standstill that I started questioning, why did I serve? Because the government officials elected aren't doing anything to help the American people. And no veteran or their family should ever feel that way. So my entire campaign is to bring back honor, dignity, and respect to the American people to Congress.
0: All right. Thanks, Bo. And then uh, next up, I'm um, going give you um, Heather uh, McKendrick uh, a moment to introduce yourself and uh, about you and your campaign there. Heather Kilpatrick, sorry.
2: <laughs> That's okay. I'm used to my name being mispronounced. It goes with the territory. Um, so my name is Heather Kilpatrick, uh, and I was born and raised here in Georgia. So um I, uh, I have spent my entire career here in Georgia uh, working in healthcare, care, um, nearly 20 years now. Uh, I feel like my education and my experience has uniquely qualified me to understand the issues uh, facing my district and facing far beyond here in Georgia and across the country. Uh, Georgians are hurting. Americans are hurting, especially I think the pandemic has brought that into sp- stark contrast um you know our duly elected officials are you know pandering to their party instead of helping the people who elected them right here in georgia it is past time for that to change and we need a new voice we need a new voice representing the people of district 11 representing the people of georgia and i feel like i am that voice
0: great thanks heather thank you all right, and uh, thanks again for everybody uh, dialing in this morning, and um, as was mentioned in the invitation, I do want to give everybody an opportunity to ask the candidates questions. Um, don't feel put on the spot, though. If you're not, uh, if you're just here to listen, that's fine, too, but all the lines are open, so if you're uh, muted, you're welcome to unmute. Um, there are several people dialed in, so we'll try to take turns here, but does anybody have any questions for the candidates?
2: Robert, this is Lee. I was wondering if anyone has a plan to undo what the Republicans are doing to our voting rights. How can we regain them? I'm 70 years old, and I really enjoyed voting by mail and dropping it into a ballot box where I could be sure that my vote was counted.
0: Thank you. Yeah, Bo, do you want to take that one first? Uh, Yeah, I'll comment on it. Um,
1: So, right now, there is already bills being pushed in the Senate by John Ossoff, uh, Reverend Warnock, to ensure that states can't continue to do this. Um, And moving forward the only way we can continue to ensure that everyone has their right to vote is to vote out the members who continuously try to strip that from their constituents Um, i can make promises that i will push Any bill that I see to ensure voting rights, because as you know, they're trying to strip mail-in ballots, and that affects you being elderly, that affects military members who are deployed or stationed in states outside of Georgia, so across the board, they're just wanting to make it harder for everyone, and luckily we have Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate, and we just need to get Barry out and MTG out to try and ensure that, congressionally, we can help support the Democrats on the state level.
0: And Heather?
2: Yeah, so it starts with, um, I think, passing H.R. 1, um, the House Bill 1. It's already passed in the House, so it's, it's moved over to the Senate. Um, if we can pass this bill, that's going to essentially help where all these states are trying to pass these sweeping bills to suppress the vote. Um Like, especially what's happening here in Georgia, you know, the House in Georgia has already passed one bill just for voter suppression, and they've got 12 more up for voting um, just in the House. And that's going to restrict mail-in voting. That's going to restrict drop boxes. That's going to restrict even people getting food and water while they're waiting in line. It's going to restrict the black and brown vote, um, especially, I mean, it's going to restrict the voting hours. Throughout the early voting process, even on election day, um, it's going to restrict Sunday voting. It's going to restrict so many different uh, items down the list. Um, just flat out voter resp- voter suppression across the board. So, if we can pass HR one um, now, SR one in the Senate, that is going to be a sweeping bill across the nation. For all these states trying to pass state laws to, for voter suppression, so I think that is going to be um, the number one goal to fight the voter suppression across the United States and um, in the individual states. Um, so that's going to be, um, I think, the, the biggest goal um, because within HR one or SR one, um, you've got the. Uh, it's going to give you more free and fair elections. Um, It's going to prevent the individual states from um, passing these sweeping bills under the disguise of election security. Um, It's going to end partisan gerrymandering. And then it's also going to give you these um, campaign finance laws, which are going to give more transparency to campaign finance. So I think H.R. 1 and S.R. 1 are going to be the answer to um, fixing this voter suppression um, that you're seeing, uh, not just in Georgia, but in Arizona and other states as well.
0: All right. Thanks for that uh, question. Um, Anybody else that has dialed in, we're uh, taking open questions at this time. Anybody else want to uh, ask a question of the candidates? Mm
2: Um, so I'd like to ask to both of you, if you had to pick the three biggest issues that you see as the center of your campaign, what would they be? And how is your viewpoint unique in that it can serve all of Georgia, not congressional district 11? Yeah. Uh,
0: Heather, if you want to uh, take this one first.
2: Um, sure. So um, honestly, my biggest platform for me uh, is healthcare, simply because my background and my education, my experience, my additional certifications uh, is healthcare related. I've spent 20 years working in healthcare. That's where my passion lies, um, and I see that as one of the biggest um, issues facing District 11, and then with this pandemic facing Georgia and then Americans in general. So uh, healthcare is is my It's my passion, that's my issue that I see um, that I can do the most good in. Um, It's also critical to our survival and it must be protected for everyone. I believe that's first and foremost. Um, We need more accessible and affordable healthcare. We need Medicaid expansion. We need coverage for elder care. Um, We need core program expansion. We need mental health coverage and expansion. We need um, the Medicare coverage gaps filled in, um, especially that donut hole, which is just a disaster. Um, We need regulation um, for malpractice insurance and frivolous litigation. Uh, We need to assist medical professionals on continuing education and licensing fees, and there needs to be some reform on that. You know, And I think we're seeing some progress with this new stimulus bill that's going to help with the ACA premiums. That's going to be a huge benefit for people in District 11 and Georgians as well. They're going to be eliminating that premium altogether. You're going to be seeing with COBRA, they're going to be um, covering COBRA premiums for people for up to two years. That's going to be humongous for um, District 11 and for Georgians as well, I mean, because COBRA uh, premiums are just, uh, it's just absurd the amount Cobra premiums can be. If you've ever had to pay Cobra, um, those are just, uh, just absurd. Um, so I, that's for, um, that's my personal opinion. Is, is healthcare is I think uh, the biggest issue facing a lot of people because of the pandemic. You're going to be seeing anybody who's had uh, COVID, and is facing the aftermath and after effects of that. You're going to be seeing, I think, longer-term issues and um, requiring longer-term treatment. So I think everything you've seen go on from COVID, and you're going to see, uh, I think, some mental health issues go on from that as well. So you're going to need coverage. You're going to need access to those services, and I think that's the biggest issue facing us right now, in in all honesty.
0: Thanks, Heather. Bo? So,
1: I'll piggyback off of Heather a little bit. Uh, Healthcare is absolutely one of my major focuses um, because I've worked primarily as a contractor on different contracts for private sector. I've worked building commercial news broadcast vehicles And the thing that has always irked me is we have healthcare that doesn't cover mental health a lot of times. We have healthcare that you have to pay extra premiums for vision, for dental. We're the only developed country that doesn't have universal healthcare. Why do we say that we're the greatest nation in the world, but yet we lag behind on health care, education, quality of life, all because we have capitalism and a president had a friend who was in the healthcare industry and insurance and decided to privatize insurance. That does nothing but continue to keep poor families, uninsured, and unable to live their best lives. So my my focus is getting us back towards a single-payer insurance where you're not paying sometimes up to $1,000 a month for insurance that doesn't cover anything, where you don't have to pay extra on top to get your glasses or get a vision test because insurance companies don't consider your eyes part of your overall health. You don't have to get separate dental insurance because insurance companies know that they can squeeze out extra money from people to get dental work. I was in high school when George Bush's No Child Left Behind was implemented. For what it was, it was a great thought, but it was so poorly executed that it actually hurt. And the current education system is because of No Child Left Behind. So my focus is to bring our education closer to being the number one education system on the world. Uh, No longer teaching to the lowest of the bell curve and trying to divvy out funding based on test scores, but get our education system to where we reward those who try their best. We, We need to increase special education to actually take care of people who have learning difficulties or they may struggle with things. Um, I graduated in 2005. I took my graduation test in 2001 through No Child Left Behind and then was told, well, you've passed. It doesn't matter whatever you make for the rest of your time in high school, you're now going to graduate high school no matter what because you pass these standardized testing. And that's a a disservice to our children. It's a disservice to the future of our country. The other big platform for me is police reform. Um, Across the board, we need police reform. A lot of times, police academies are only 16 weeks and then they're immediately put out onto the streets. I think the academy should be closer to a four-year program that comes with a degree. We need comprehensive mental health services for police officers to ensure that they are the best that they can be to protect our communities. Um, I think that we need to get more social workers as a career and also have them attached to police police departments so that they can respond to the less violent calls of a autistic black man sitting in his driveway so that we don't have police officers who can't handle that situation. Uh, Those are my three big platforms that I will be focusing
0: on. Great. Uh, thanks for those questions. Um, again, opening up for uh, anyone dialed into the uh, call this morning, any other questions for the candidates?
2: Okay. I can chime in with one if that's OK. Sure. Okay, Um, I received Barry Loudermilk's email, um, I believe it was yesterday, where he announced that he was working with, I don't have the exact one right in front of me, with legislation to move the waiting period for purchasing a gun from three business days to three calendar days to shorten it. And I just wondered if they had any thoughts on that in
0: general, I guess
2: since it's
0: kind of new information. Yeah, Heather, you want to take that one?
2: Sure. Um, So I don't agree with this at all. Um, I think we should probably extend the wait period um, to probably five to seven, if not longer, uh, business days, not calendar days. Um, And I think we should extend or expand the background check laws um, and add uh, it needs to be a universal background check law. Um, We need to also add red flag and common sense laws. Um, I think sellers should have um, permission to deny a sale to any person they deem unsafe regardless of any kind of clear background checks as well. Um, I think what we're seeing with uh, these gun sales and the purchasing of guns and just in general, it's got to stop. I also um, fully support the expansion of the um, universal background check to close the, the kind of loophole for um, gun shows. Uh, I think that's a dangerous loophole that is exploited far too often. And, I mean, I'm don't get me wrong, I, I support the Second Amendment to a degree, I think people have a right to support them or to um, to protect themselves, but I think there needs to be you know clear stipulations, um, and there needs to be some transparency, and there needs to be background checks universally, and I think people need to be able to just use common sense. If someone gives you an uneasy feeling, you do not have um, you do not have to sell to them, and there should be protections to, you know, safeguard you if you are not comfortable selling to someone, um, you know, because it, it's just, um, it's common sense. I mean, if someone is is giving you an uneasy feeling, you don't want to sell to them, that is your absolute right. I think there should be permits um, to sell guns universally so people can't sell them on the street and things like that. Um, so I, that's just... Um, That's a start. I think there's a lot more we can do as a country to um, make this a safer, um, safer laws um, and uh, safer reform on gun rights and gun laws across the board. Um, But I think it takes, there's going to be a lot of overhaul that needs to be done, but it starts with universal background checks and red flag laws and closing that uh, gun show loophole.
0: Thanks, Heather and uh, Bo. Any comments from you? Um,
1: so three calendar days is by far not long enough to do a comprehensive, full background check on anyone. Um, I know the there are bills currently being pushed to deal with this situation. Um, I personally think that there needs to be more background checks for any flags of domestic, ideology, red flags, you name it. Um, Because currently right now a three calendar day window is is just not long enough Um, because you can check into people's backgrounds and not see anything that's a red flag, but then you have people who don't have any issues legally, but their ideologies are, oh, I'm going to have two fully automatic rifles behind me on a bookcase as a political show and that, that should be a red flag right there. Um, I completely support the Second Amendment. If you want to own guns, awesome. But we need comprehensive gun law overhaul to match the, the guns we have available for citizens now. Most of the laws are outdated because they were written at a time before people had the the technology we have now. Laws should always be living entities that can be updated and changed with the times. And the only people saying that Democrats want to take away guns are the NRA. We all know this. Um, so I think that it starts with lengthening the window for background checks, allowing the FBI to dig deeper into people to ensure that they are safe. Um, we need to really take a long, deep look at our gun laws and the ideology behind the gun laws to where it protects people more than just "raw, rah I have guns. I'm going to wave them in people's faces.
0: All right. Thanks. Uh, Will, did you want to take the uh, next question there?
1: Yeah. Um, so many low and middle income Americans are still struggling from the huge financial disruption of COVID. Healthcare costs, lost wages, not being able to pay rent. Uh, what would you include in a third COVID stimulus?
0: Uh, Heather, you want to take that
2: one? Um, Sure. Um, So in a third COVID stimulus, I think um, what we've seen in this current one is a very good start. In a next COVID stimulus, I would absolutely include some student debt cancellation. Um, I think that would be a good start. I think we could see um, a higher stimulus check. Hopefully, starting around two thousand um, dollars instead of I know the fourteen hundred is to go with the six hundred to equal the two thousand. But I think if we could start around two thousand um, dollars, starting with uh, the income. I was very disheartened to see they lowered the income threshold on this one. So if they could take into account um, that people have lives and bills, and that an income threshold is um, not taken into account that it doesn't matter what people's incomes are, that people still are suffering. Americans, Georgians, we're all suffering, and an income doesn't represent everybody's lives as a whole. It doesn't represent the actual person and what they're going through. So an income threshold, I think, is, is kind of grossly unfair to um, cap it out. Um, I mean, I get if you want to put it at 300,000 or whatever, that's a little bit, I get that. So, but capping it out at, you know, 50 or $80,000 is kind of under unfair in my opinion. So I think we need to um, recognize that an income threshold as low as it was on this, these last two is a little unfair. Um, so on the next one, I would really like to see um, that not happen. Um, the reform we saw in this one was the monthly relief check to parents. I would really like to see that probably go up. Um, and I'd also like to see the unemployment benefits extended for longer. This extension that's just a few months at a time, the six-month extension, doesn't do anybody any good because it's we're seeing a, a wall and we're running into it every single time. And that, that whiplash effect is not good for the economy and it's not good for Americans. Um, so it's not good for anybody's mental health, and it's it's just the, we can't keep doing this whiplash effect. Um, so that is one thing I would like to see is this unemployment extended for a longer period of time. I think it's going to be better for everyone. So we need to get that, and I think a higher threshold for the unemployment benefit as well. We need higher than $300. If people have been out of work for too long. $300 a week is not enough. They need more. because. I mean, the, nobody can help being out of work due to a global pandemic. It's not anyone's fault. It's time to reimburse them for the wages they are missing. $300 a week is nothing. We also need to include the minimum wage hike. This, people need to be reimbursed for what they're doing. They need to be paid a living wage. So that's just a bottom line. I don't care what the Senate parliamentarian says. It's... it's a it is absolutely 100% part of the budget, so it needs to be included. Um, I think those are all um, crucial to a next stimulus. If we still need money for vaccinations, absolutely, um, and I would like to 100% see more money for schools. Um, that should always be part of a stimulus, 100%, like without equivocation.
0: Thanks, Heather. Um, Bo? So I,
1: I personally would like to see monthly payments to people, not this one, one payment and then it's six months and then you get half of the original payment. Um, and it, it needs to be something that can help people not twelve hundred dollars we we need to see anywhere from two thousand to twenty five hundred monthly payments to people who have lost jobs uh we need to see student loan cancellation be it ten thousand fifteen thousand twenty thousand because there's people who've been out of jobs for almost a year if not longer than that. There are employees who have gone from working 40, 50 hours a week to working 20 hours a week, if they're lucky. Um, Extension of eviction moratoriums. Um, We also need to put rent freezes, into place I sorry I don't think being a landlord is an actual job Um, and people deserve to have a house over their head they deserve to have food in their fridges we should not be turning off electricity water or anything like that for people until at least 18 months after covid has been completely eliminated because we don't know if we're going to have another spike we have mutations of covid popping up all over the place still and we're not even sure if the current vaccines are going to be completely effective against these mutations we have to protect our citizens for the long haul And sadly, Manchin and other super moderate Democrats are shooting progress in the foot because for some reason they think that giving people money in support because they lost their job because of COVID will keep them not wanting to get a job. I personally don't know anyone who lost their job that hasn't been Trying to find another one, even getting the unemployment benefits that they've been getting, that the American, the average American, does not just go, "Oh, I'm getting $1,200 a month out of unemployment. I don't want to work." That it, that's a fallacy. Uh, I personally, I was a contractor. I made $106,000 in 2019. I started working for Delta, and March of last year, I was let go with 3,000 other contract workers for Delta. So I had absolutely no income from March until September when I got hired on with GTRI as a contractor, and all I had was $300 a week for three months because the federal unemployment ran out before they restarted it later so this putting income caps onto stimulus payments is completely ridiculous because you can't take into account that someone made x amount of money so therefore they made x amount of money every year before that that that's not how it always works for everyone. So I think that guaranteed monthly payments of 2000 to $2,500 to every American needs to happen, student loan cancellation, extension of protections from evictions needs to happen for at least eight, to eight months to a year after COVID has been eradicated and then utilities needs to be protected for at least that long as well.
0: All right, thanks. Um, those are dialed into the call. Any other questions for the candidates?
2: I have kind of a follow-up to that question. Sure. Um, so it's important that we have safety nets in place for pandemics and other things that could cripple our our entire society. Um, One thing that is often mentioned, though, is that the national debt is ever-growing. So with putting these programs in place to provide avenues for people to still maintain their lifestyles, how do each of you see that we pay for that in the future without having to make our children shoulder the burden through their retirement age?
0: Yeah, Bill, you want to take that one first?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. That is a great question. Um, so we honestly could keep our children and grandchildren from shouldering this burden if we just did a flat income tax across the board. Uh, for For the past 40 years, the middle class has had to pay more and more taxes while the upper echelon of incomes pay less and less and less and less. I think it's down to 21% maybe for people who earn over a million dollars from the former guy's last uh, tax bill. It's ridiculous. Why are we increasing taxes on poor and middle-income families while giving more and more and more and more tax breaks to the rich and powerful? Republicans had no problem passing a tax relief bill that ended up costing $2.3 trillion for the rich, but they absolutely can't provide for middle and lower working families. Uh, A lot of our debt is debt to ourselves. So student loan cancellations, getting rid of debts to our own citizens would help. Um, Honestly, if churches want to continue to try and have input into laws, they need to start paying taxes. Um, legalizing marijuana across the country would be a huge income and profit for the United States. Colorado is a perfect example of how much money is brought in but at the same time if we make marijuana legal across the board we have to release the entire mass population of inmates who are serving ridiculously long jail sentences for selling marijuana. We cannot let corporate white America benefit off the backs of brown and black people who sit in jail for weed crimes. So those are some of the things that I think could keep our children and our grandchildren from having to pay for these down the line.
0: Thanks for uh, Heather.
2: Um, yeah, I think a wealth tax is the way to go. Um, we, it's, you know, tax a um, couple percentage on uh, the wealthiest people in the world or the United States, and you can bring in a lot of money that way. And they've been reaping benefits off of um, tax. Um, Reform, And I think if we turned it around, it'd be the easiest way to bring in that money. Um, And that way, the middle and lower income classes wouldn't be the ones footing this bill as it normally is. So I think the wealth tax is the best answer, and I fully support a wealth tax.
0: Thanks. Um, uh, Any more questions from those uh, dialed in? Yeah, I've got another one. Sure. Uh,
1: While technology has made us connected more than ever ever before, it has also offered businesses new opportunities to take advantage of low-cost labor by circumventing employment regulations, minimum wages, and benefits requirements. Think ride-sharing apps, on-demand grocery delivery, and the like. How would you protect these workers?
0: Heather, you want to take that one?
2: Sure. Um, So workers' rights in general are something that I've always been pretty passionate about. I think workers should have every right in the world if they want to unionize, for example, Um, like we're seeing the Amazon fight right now going on to unionize Um, it is my philosophy personally um, as I've been a manager for a very long time um, your employees are your very first customers and you have to treat them as such and if you treat your employees right your customers right then or treat them as your customers then they'll return in kind Um, so I believe you know, your employees are human beings and people who deserve to be treated with every respect and every right as the CEO. And you will never change my mind on that. I believe in full rights for all workers as well as wages and benefits. So, if, I mean, if your employees, if you need a union for that, so be it. I perfectly support that. Um, I believe some employees, some companies need a union to ensure that those rights are are there. Um, and it's sad that it has to get to that point that CEOs and companies don't provide those benefits for employees and those rights to begin with to recognize that their employees deserve all those rights and benefits up front and deserve the wages up front to recognize their employees for the valuable workers that they are. Um, that they have to bring in other people to Show them that the value that is there inside their employees. So um, I, I 100% support um, anything that is necessary to bring that to light. Um, if it's a union that needs to come in, I, I fully back it. If employees need to to bring in, how even if it's an attorney, I'm, I support that. Um, people are human beings, and they you know they are a CEO should not be able to profit off the labor of the people working for him. And so it, whatever is necessary to get the job done, to make someone see the, the value in the, their employees, I 100% support it. So um, workers' rights, is it, that is a, I'm a huge proponent of, of doing whatever is necessary to get what is necessary um, for my people and my staff. Um, And I I I back that
0: 100%. Thanks, Heather. So
1: I I agree with Heather. Uh, Unions are a absolute necessity for uh, workers to ensure that they get the quality of pay, benefits, and respect that they deserve from their employers. Um, I don't know how many people were paying attention to California, but California passed Proposition 22 last November, which allowed Lyft and Uber to quantify all of their employees as contractors and deny them benefits and employer funded insurance, and things like that. That is absolutely a travesty, in my opinion. Um, That should have never passed. Um, Contractors as a whole get shafted on a level that is unprecedented in the United States. Uh, I know for a fact that the contract house that I work through right now charges GTRI probably three times what they're actually paying me to allow me to work for GTRI. That's that's ridiculous. CEOs should not be making three to four hundred times what their employees make. Um, I believe that CEO pay needs to be legally capped at no more than 70 times what their employees make. Honestly, it probably even shouldn't be that high. Um, We need guaranteed mental wages, and this $15 an hour by 2025 is not cutting it. $15 an hour in 2021 is... Hardly a livable wage for most of the United States um, so this whole capitalistic mindset of let's profit off the back of our employees that are underpaid it's just it it shouldn't be seen as the ideal it it should be judged and found wanting because it lacks human decency and respect for the time and effort that these people do to try and make a living wage uber for example charges restaurants to use their service and then the delivery fees are pocketed by uber because they have it set up to where the driver gets a guaranteed amount, but if you tip that driver, your tip pays the guaranteed amount if it's not over what the guaranteed amount is. So if you give a Uber driver a tip through the app, you're actually saving Uber money when you do that. That's why I always try to advocate for people to give their Uber drivers who drive them places or bring their food, cash tips. Um, so there, there are massive overhauls that we need to do in regards to the laws that govern contract workers, these on-demand services like Uber, Lyft, pub, or Postmate, and stuff like
0: that. Thanks. Um, any other uh, questions for those who dialed in? I guess to kind of round out the, the questions, um, we did uh, take a couple of questions uh, via ResistBot. So if anybody's not ever used ResistBot before, um, if you choose when you use ResistBot, it will send a copy of the uh, question that you sent in to your um, congressional representative out through Twitter. And so we did have a couple of questions here staged just in case we didn't um, get the great participation. Thank you all for dialing in today and actually participating. It's uh, been a great discussion that we've had. But one of the um, questions that kind of bubbled up to the top when I read through a lot of the questions that went into the office and hasn't really been discussed today so I thought I'd bring it up, uh, the insurrection that happens. Um, Uh, uh, Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and even some of the uh, things that have come out from uh, Barry Loudermilk's office and uh, undermining of the election results. I'd like to pose those types of questions. We've even seen um, some arrests, and even the FBI is still looking for some of those folks that have, um, you know, had the, the riot at the Capitol back in January. Um, I guess I'll ask uh, Heather first. Um, any thoughts uh, from you, um, you know, f- from what all went down back in January?
2: Um, sure. Um, I mean, it's for me, it's fairly simple. If you undermine an election, you should be prosecuted to the highest letter of law. I don't care if you're the president, if you're a sitting senator, or if you're just a civilian you should be prosecuted to the highest letter of the law. Um, When you undermine an election and you give that narrative a platform, you create very dangerous outcomes. And that is very much evidenced by January 6th. So we, we have to make sure we have clear consequences with actual penalties and action taken bottom line, so prosecuted to the highest letter of the law.
0: Thanks, Heather. uh, So I served in the Air
1: Force. I took a oath to support and defend the Constitution and the United States from enemies foreign and domestic. Mr. Loudermilk was also in the Air Force. And he voted to overthrow the vote of Georgians and try and keep Trump in power. I'm fairly sure that you take a similar oath when you are an elected official. So he has broken that oath, in my eyes, twice. I believe that he should be prosecuted legally. He should lose his honorable... Status on his discharge, he should lose any and every benefit that he gets from being a veteran or a sitting member of the House of Representatives because he pushed the narrative that the election was fraudulent and undermined the election. I think that anyone who pushed that narrative should be tried as the traitors they are. Um, I will say that directly to any of their faces. I will walk up to Mr. Loudermill's office and tell him directly to his face exactly how I feel. Uh, Miss Green and Miss Bobart should be expelled from their seats and their offices and barred from ever running for political office again. um, This whole party line, partisan situation, we have anyone that has been pictured with three percenters, Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, they should all be suspects, be investigated, and be removed from their seats. Um, And honestly, I think the two-party system is a big feeder into the insurrection and the, the unease and the undermining because if it it just boils down to us versus them. And that does nothing but hurt the American people because it immediately makes enemies of anyone who doesn't identify as Democrat or Republican. So I think that they absolutely need to be prosecuted, tried, And any veteran, be it political member or civilian, if they were a veteran and they were found to participate, should lose any
0: honorable status that they had. All right. Thanks. So I'm just opening up the floor one last time here. Any other questions from anybody that's dialed in? Thanks again for everybody's participation this morning. That may be a wrap. So, um, Heather, just give you a uh, last uh, parting minutes here. Anything else to add or uh, follow up here? Uh,
2: no, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you for putting this all together. And I appreciate everyone else for joining the call and asking some really excellent questions. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: no problem. And uh, both of you as well to, to wrap up here. I also want to
1: thank you for doing this. Um, I look forward to doing many more town halls leading up to the primary and the election and then further pass if I am deemed worthy of the seat. Um, it's given me much to think about, and I look forward to seeing what else is important and how I can better serve my fellow citizens of Georgia.